0: Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo Show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo Show. What's up? And welcome to Social Jello with Angelo Podcast. Uh, conversations with the back fist? Subscribe, share, and like with your friends. I think I only say that one out of 30, 40, 50 episodes. I usually say it at the end. I'm horrible at this stuff. I'm here with Bob Gomez. Bob Gomez. I, first of all, awesome name. Like, like Gomez is just the right amount of Latino where anyone can say it, and it's not like yeah. my last name Ferrer, where like the R's throw people off the track and they fall off the rails.
1: <laughs> people can't roll their tongues.
0: It really. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. No. I'll get. I'll get Ferris. I got Ferris school. <laughs> <laughs> ferris ferris and i'm just letting the teacher run onto the like, bueller like i'm sitting there quiet because i didn't have no idea it was me so yeah yeah, sure. a- <laughs> yeah is this some sort of joke yeah so-
1: no no i get it you know no that's actually my step my stepfather's name man you know he's doing to raise me so at a certain age i was like how do i honor this man i mean he's had me grow up the way that I am, you know, and it's like, I, I, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll take his last name because I think that's he was very honorable. So it's like, oh, I like this. Of course, it made my biological father, who's still alive, cry, but I'm like, you were never around. Who cares?
0: <laughs> right. It's all right. Live <laughs> so, your life. So the reason I have, well, not well, the reason. Okay. Now it sounds biased. This is a martial arts podcast. I interview people from different martial arts and uh, also. Psychology is. I have a background in psychology, I have a degree in psychology. So, like, mm-hmm. the show is supposed to encompass elements of psychology, social psychology, and also martial arts. Uh, a lot of Kaju Kembo guys are on here. So, um, what I should mention also for any of my casual listeners, uh, Bob is a uh, Kaju Kembo instructor. Where, where are you coming out of, Bob? I know you said California. What part of California
1: are uh, The San Francisco Bay Area, around fremont the Fremont area, East Bay. Yeah, under the Gaylord method.
0: Cool, cool, cool. Sweet. So, the reason that I had Bob on the show is I Bob's a friend of mine on Facebook, and you're always posting—not always, but every so once in a while—I've been catching on to these posts you have about mental health. Like you'll post up about mental health, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Like that—that's—that's—that's that's, that's an interesting concept. Like self like self sabotage, and um, and things about uh, dealing with um dealing with depression and anxiety and that kind of stuff, which is like really all like stuff that I really love. Like I'm studying and researching and that kind of stuff. So I saw some of the posts that he put up and um, I reached out because I thought that was pretty cool that he kind of has like this, this, this stuff that you post about mental health. Would you, I, is it okay if I ask you why you post that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I do suffer from clinical depression and uh, it's been about ten years since I realized I had it. So before then, I was like my mom, you know, I mean not like my mom. I was like my brother. who was like, hey, you know, that, that, just go do something happy, you know, so, you know, it, 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 stop being such a baby. Stop being this and that and the other thing. And I, I was, I had the same mentality. And all of a sudden, why am I getting in fights with everybody? Why is everything setting me off? And you know, it, everyone has a different trigger, right? So you know, mine was I was my multitasking went away. And it's like, what the heck is going on? You know, and why am I getting angry at every stupid thing? So then my wife actually told me, she says, you know what? You've been really mean. I'm like, oh, really? Dang, really? She goes, yeah, I think you're going to need some help because she was on the verge of divorce. And I didn't know that. And I'm like, oh, dude, light, light the fire. <laughs> you know what I mean? So thank God to her that she found the strength to actually bring it to my attention and wave that red flag. I went and got help and figured out, yeah, I was one, you know, one thing, whatever the triggers were, we're building up. And uh, I wasn't dealing with it good enough. So, you know, you got to humble yourself out. You know, you got to let go of that ego. No, there's nothing wrong with me. I mean, you know, I had to, I had to really learn how to release all that. And so now that I'm better, and I'm dealing with the best that I can with counseling, and unfortunately, I have some meds, (laughs) my happy pills, um, that I can try to help other people that to kind of realize I'm not saying you're crazy and I'm not saying that you are depressed, but it's like, Hey, you know, there's a question you probably need to ask yourself. And that's all I want people to do is to think on a deeper level about themselves and because, you know, externally we're just bombarded by a lot of information all the time. And we forget to take care of self. And that's where I'm, I'm at right now with that. So I'm sure that put half your audience asleep right there
0: no and here's the reason i want Here's this like we're going to talk about your martial arts journey oh. but something that i think i personally feel is a big problem and i think anyone listening would agree with me that there is a mental health crisis in america and there's like a lot of the people will argue and i'm not going to go into the political arguments and right. you, if you kind of know what i'm insinuating here you know what i'm talking about That's a problem.
1: i don't think it's the major I, thing
0: it's but like, yeah, it's a byproduct, but yeah. if you really look at it there there is there's an issue, and one of I think one of the biggest problems is people won't openly talk about mental health issues right. they 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 just keep it quiet and for a lot of reasons, you know it's kind of hard dick to um what's the word? I don't want to use the word expose, but it's kind of hard it's kind of hard to open up like that yeah. to the public sphere and I mean, what you just said right now, I went through this, very, something very similar about uh two years back, two years back. My wife also approached me and I've been studying psychology for 10 plus years. Um, I thought I was doing the work and I was missing that one element. I had to go into anger management problems classes because of the same thing. Like I thought I I was managing like, Hey, I know about anxiety. And so it's, it's something that even if you do know a lot about the subject and you think you have under control, I always tell my, my other friends that I, that I help out with this kind of stuff is, it's when you think you have everything under control that it sneaks up on you. Yep. It's, what yep. you don't, it's what you don't see that gets, just like in martial arts, right? We always say in conjure keyboard, check your six, check your six, right? You finish hey. your defense, you finish your punch trick, check your six. Mentally, mm-hmm. same thing. Check your six. You <laughs> can one, see, and here it comes, right? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, that's the one that blindsides you. So, Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's when, yeah, that's when, that's when a person really needs, it's like AA, right? I mean, in a way, not that I know personally, but I have a real close buddy of mine that, that, that has been clean for five years. And he, he was, we were kind of talking about mental health and stuff like that and how it's very similar. You have to be able to, if you have it and if you've been diagnosed with it and it isn't BS, right, that you have to find a way to accept that you're not crazy. See, that's the stigma that people have with talking about mental health. I'm not nuts. I'm, you know, they saw the Batman with the Joker, right? You know, it's like, I'm not that guy. It's like, you know, but you're, whether you're not that guy or not, it's like, you have to realize that what's the reality of it here, right? You know, why start asking yourself these hard questions. And like you and I, I've had, I I don't think I have had extensive Um, I'm never going to assume that I had an extensive background in psychology as you have. I've had maybe one or two years of it in in college and stuff. And so, and then with working with my psychiatrist, it's like, oh, it really fascinates me how the mind works. And so now it's about, um, you know, learning how to ask yourself those questions, learning how to, and not feel like you're going to be condemned because you're crazy. You know, you're not crazy. It's just that. You're a person who has some issues, but you don't know how to answer them. You don't have the answer. So, and they said the worst place to be, what, is alone inside your own head? Right. And they said, that's when you need to start reaching out and asking people, hey, you know, do I do this and do I do that? And, 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 and they'll start telling you. See, and it's, self, it's self-awareness. That's another thing. I don't know, and I'm sure you do this as well too when you train, you train your, your students and, and even yourself when you're training by yourself. What is martial arts really about other than fi- finding out who you are, who you really are through motion, right? You know, and then putting yourself into certain situations which will make you freak the heck out and then how you handle it. How is your response? to these things and how do you make it better if it's not a good response so it's those kind of things that 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 actually help me keep going with my students and myself keeps me in check <laughs> you know and my wife too keeps my feet on the ground and my head really small so
0: <laughs> so yeah and I like I said earlier like about how um that stigma of you know being quote-unquote crazy I I really like uh, Thomas Stephan Saz's quote Insanity is only the sane reaction to an insane society. Yeah. Um, and it's to say that, and, and this is something I remember one of my professors, one of my psychology professors said, it's not about labeling it as crazy, right? Or you as crazy. But you really have to ask yourself, everyone at some degree in some level has a brand of crazy. And it's about working with that. It's about working with it, you know, you, you, not 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 leaning into the label, but understanding that everyone has their own brand. Some brands mm-hmm. are harder to deal with than others. So, like, mm-hmm. that's something that a lot of people. That, that's why I say I always tell people when they're going through stuff like, oh, hey, you know, some people went through less in life or maybe they couldn't ha- they handled they, they handled it differently. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean this doesn't mean that. um this whole stigma and that's why i'm so glad we're opening it up with this <laughs> with this topic is that's that's the whole that's i think that's the biggest issue is that people can't just open their other head. yeah they, they, and when you keep it in like i said earlier that's when it really flips on you because that's that's really when you have no control over the situation no so, i agree. so <clears throat> like i said earlier <laughs> i'm gonna switch gears now <laughs> i do that i do that all the time I'm gonna switch gears, you don't,
1: just to put a, a little thing on that that society is in the past up until now has said the uh, uh, being masculine or the definition of masculinity is to be strong. So I think a lot of us misinterpret what being strong is. Being strong is, oh, you're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to show your emotions. You're supposed to hold it all in, right? And well, you know, that, that means you're a robot. We're human beings. We have all these feelings. And once again, it's like a tea kettle, right? When you hold the steam in and it has nowhere to go, it eventually will explode. So the whole thing is don't be afraid to talk about it. It doesn't mean you're weak. It takes a lot more strength to talk about it with somebody that you trust, not some other crazy person, you know, like my aunt, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm nuts. Um, um, you know, it, it's someone that you really, really, really trust and you can open up to it. Does, once again, it doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're human. And that's one thing I think the stigma that other stigma is is about. It's like, you know, masculinity, you have to be a Spartan all the time. It's like, no, that's not what it's like. That's how you become a serial killer. <laughs> right. You know, at least I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, no, no. You, 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 yeah, yeah, I, I can tell you right now, I have read profile books on serial killers and and all and on um on psychopaths and that's 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 the beginning <laughs> that's the first few steps towards it keep it all
1: in they keep it all in and then you know listen to their own crazy head and then their own demons you know and then that's it
0: yeah it's like it, that's 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 the first step to ultimate destruction right there absolutely <laughs> so going back um so we we we, we briefly mentioned <laughs> that that you teach kajakembo now hmm in your own in your own history how when did you start doing martial arts? we'll start with that
1: um when I was ten in nineteen seventy three um my dad Rick gomez was trying to i was a skinny little asian boy okay with with a bowl cut hair dressed by my mother so gee, you think I was picked on at school? Hey now, right <laughs> it is what it is, but he wanted me to kind of you know and he wanted me to kind of not man up but be. Do boy things, you know? And so I says, Oh, okay. So he signed me up for, you know, two years of little league and stuff. Complete disaster. Okay. Um, made it through. And he said, You're too small for football. You're too short for basketball. <laughs> you know? And so he kind of was at his wit's end in 1973. Enter the dragon came out here in Fremont. And uh we went to go see it because we like our karate movies. And at the end of that movie, I remember coming out going. Dude, it was a skinny Chinese dude, man, kicking some ass. And I'm like, I wonder what I wonder if I could do that. And so I was looking for Jeet Kune Kundo, because I did a lot of reading after that. And of course, back then, Danny and Osanto was the only one in San Diego doing that. And my father goes, Yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to San Diego. <laughs> You're SOL on that one, son. So I said, Well, I'm looking for something that's mixed because I have this book called, you know, Bruce, The Man Only I Knew by Linda Lee. And um, and I said, I'm looking for a mixed martial arts. And I have no clue what it is. I don't know what taekwondo is at that time. I have no clue, right, or anything, any kind of judo or nothing. And then we found, we happened to find uh, Gaylord's Kenpo Karate right on Fremont Boulevard, just right down the street, literally, well, where it used to be. And we went in there and then talked to them a little bit. So, oh yeah, this is an amalgamation of different arts. I'm like, well, I guess this is it. And that's when it started in 1973. So, um, you know, and obviously, you know, as well as I know, the demographic, that things were different back then, right? They would be really hard on the white belts coming in. Right. And then see who stayed. <laughs> it's
0: a little different now. Yeah, they they weren't. <laughs> they were, I don't want to say they weren't profit motivated, like a lot of the schools are now like big schools because of how big MMA made martial arts, but mm-hmm. definitely the, their, their, their core values were just a little, <laughs> just a bit different than what's I mean, happening it's, today.
1: It's still tough. I mean, it's nothing, there's no question about that. Even in the definitions of Kaji in the Webster's Dictionary, <laughs> you know, martial arts on overkill, you know I mean? Um, but uh, but yeah, it was all different. than it's like, do we really want you? Type of attitude. That's the kind of thing we we want the tough people. We want the, you know that kind of thing. Now we we get somebody who wants to do it or thinks they want to do. it, At least I can only speak for myself. And then and then gear them up bit by bit, and then get them to that point. And then once they get used to the the contact and the hitting and the not flinching or whatever it is, then all of a sudden this beast comes out, right? <laughs> so. It's just a different way of approaching it. I think.
0: I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just a yeah. It was a different, a different outlook, like on how, how they. And I when I came in much later, much later in generation. I'm 41, mm-hmm. and I started doing kembo when I was like in my 20s. It's been like 20 years ago. Um, and uh, even 20 years ago, yeah, 20 years ago, my instructor had his. His program, and then he had his rec center program, and it was starting. The rec center program was asking stuff like about contact, and and we had to we had to figure out ways to work with the rec center's insurance policy to still be able to do.
1: In the states, is this in San
0: Leandro? This was in San Diego.
1: In San Diego, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah,
0: yeah. But we we had, we had a similar thing like,
1: Sorry.
0: and he was telling me the same thing like they used to not ask me these kind of questions like <laughs> 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 so, like it was around there. Back.
1: You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're paid by the city. Be careful about that contact.
0: <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. You're, you don't want the, the city to be, uh, be sued be yeah.
0: you know and that, It started around then the, the whole, like, gotta be careful and that kind of stuff. Now um, I was still
1: here at the YMCA for a while there with, uh, with, uh, with GM, uh, Paul Notarte. He, he was teaching at the YMCA and they keep questioning about his contact. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kaju.
0: <laughs> you know so yeah it's yeah it's different um so so you like so in your case you actually came in straight into customer, so everybody has a different story and if if you listen yeah. to my podcast if this is your first one check them out there's a lot of different interviews that i've done oh um, yeah everybody gets into kaji Kembo for different reasons some people find kaji Kimbo right away a lot mm-hmm. of people i don't want to say everyone everyone except for the guys that like they're dad was a Kembo instructor except for like the generational kajukembo lineage. Uh, family lineage people um most people have this story where they're looking for something else <laughs> and they find Kembo. that's usually or they did find something else and later found kajukembo yeah um, i
1: it, got a lot here i got not quite half of my students but maybe at least six of them that that i've gotten through the eight and a half years i've been open you know, they, they've they been training in another art and then either they quit or they just at that point said, This is now turned into something I didn't think it was. And they started looking for something else and then found Kaju. Right. Um, so it was, it's really interesting and in how, how many different, you know, I mean, it's, and it has nothing to do with the person teaching or the school. I mean, I, I don't talk smack about, any schools or anything, because there's always something to to bring from it, right? And yes, that's the politically right thing to say. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I had people from Shotokan and Taekwondo and Aikido and Kung Fu and, you know, uh, Krav Maga and stuff like that. And it's like, well, then what, you know, what are you looking for? That's the thing. Is this, you know, and I just think it ends up with the personalities. I think that's really where it comes down to. It's the, I had one of my black belts say, um, hey, is it okay if I learn something from something down the street? I said absolutely, as long as you come back and you you, you learn something to bring it back. He came back about a month later and said, "There's nothing that I want to share because all the he said all the instructor did was tell us to do this, and he went over and talked on his phone the whole time." I'm like, dang, <laughs> how do I make money like that? <laughs> you know, so I'm like, you know, that's just a really that's a, that's a real story, a real example, and I'm like, I'm not saying all of them are like that. But it's it's interesting. But like I said, I said, well, I said I don't know what what was going on over there. It's that's their thing. And you know what? We're, we're, this is what we do here. And if it's something that you want, then jump on the mat and pay
0: up <laughs> <laughs> through blood. I'm just kidding. Well, kind of. So <laughs> the the, the, <laughs> the um how so when you went to the Kembo school, you said you were about eleven, oh. right? I was Ten years old. Ten years old, going through the Kajukenbo program. Was that straight through Gaylord, or who was who was there?
1: Yeah, I was being taught by uh, 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 Senior Grandmaster Bill Gifford. Of course, the titles are as they stand now. Okay, and then uh, I think Grandmaster um, Greg Lagera. You know, so yeah, so those two, I I was taught more by. Every once in a while, a GGM would come in and 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 beat the heck out of everybody and put everyone straight, and then he would go out and then. So, yeah, and then, uh, you know, I was there for I don't know how long and then I had to leave because just couldn't afford the, the 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 dues, even though it was as cheap as it was back then. Right. Is this relative? But then at the same time it's like when I'm not there, my buddies who were training there would, would come to the house and train me in my own garage. So I never lost it. Never. You know, it wasn't a belt or anything. It was just like just training. Right. What did you learn now? Teach me this. Teach me that. And then, then I had Taekwondo for about three years when I was 18, and really great teacher there, Tara, um, Kajinim Connie Miller. She was really good, um, up at Ohlone, of course. And then they were talking about watch the contact, right? So, uh, <laughs> um, and then because I was I took a hiatus after a while, and then went to Taekwondo to get ready to come back to Kaju because I lost my legs, I lost the stretch, I lost. So I said, shoot! Since I got to take PE up at Alonium, I might as well make it worth you know, kill two birds with one stone. So, and then I came back and went, all right, back, right back to Kaji, man, like that, right? Joined up Golden Dragon, and because my roommate was a Golden Dragon, and I said, well, let me go, let me go see about this, you know. And that was in Newark, so I'm like, all right, let's go, let's go check that out. And I I signed up that night. I just said, yeah, this is it, man. I like the Ohana, I like the, the the atmosphere, I like the, I love the instructors. Right, they were so uh, positive and so you know. what I mean, it, even if you did something wrong, they didn't make it feel like you did something wrong. It was just like, no, 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 no. You know, it's like that could work in the street, but that's not what we're doing right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> rein it in, rein it in. You know that kind of thing. So yeah, that's why I went there for, for you know, and that's how I ended up there. So it's like, uh, and that's when you know, seafood Pete now is you know, my is is my is my my master, <laughs> you know so yeah and that's that's it in a, like a really quick readers digest con- condensed version of it all but i always trained whether i was in a school proper or not um i was up at the fremont dragons when when uh, gaylord uh great grandmaster gaylord moved from the barn that's in the the first place i was at i'm sure you heard about the barn especially maybe from uh from great grandmaster Estelle. i mean grandmaster Estelle, right
0: i, I uh, haven't i have not heard about the barn the
1: barn yeah the barn can you, yeah, can you, barn can is you the...
0: give me can you give me like uh let's say and even if i'm not i haven't so can you give me like a brief description of what you're talking about
1: yeah so the building that we went to it was it said Kempo karate on the outside because nobody back in the 70s knew the what the heck was kaju Kempo. so the word karate had to be in the anyone to understand oh it's karate anything so but it was an old portuguese uh not a we called it the barn but it was an old portuguese uh like uh where you rent out for the big giant uh weddings and things like that right yeah but it was beat up i mean when it rained outside it rained inside i mean it was that bad it really was um you know tam I, i'm sure people from crazy dragons and even even um uh, uh, uh professor makololoi would, would be able to tell you about that one too so but yeah so cut our feet on the floorboards we're running it it was just one of those things, right? So, so that's how it was depicted as Kempo Karate. And then when they moved, they moved down to Central, up here in Fremont, down to Central Fremont, up in a second level. And and that's when uh, Great Grandmaster Gaylord changed it to Fremont Gaylord's Fremont Dragons. And I trained there for a little while with the uh, with uh, Senior Grandmaster Bill Sills and Bill Gifford and and those guys for a while, as well. So, yeah, it's a it's a hodgepodge of You know, the Kaju is always, either I've always followed Kaju or Kaju's always snuck up on me. So I said, you know, that's why I went and I said, you know, the the universe is telling me something, man. So I went and joined Golden Dragon and said, let's just do this thing. (laughs) And the first day I was there, I said, do you guys do, do you guys do belts? And Sifu Pete said, yeah, we do belts. And I said, well, I'm not looking for a belt. He says, but that's just what we do. And I'm like, all right, you know, because right? I've been filling my head with the Tao of Ji Kundo right the whole time. <laughs> so I just follow whatever whatever. I just want the I just want the knowledge. I don't care about the belts. I don't care about the titles. I really don't. You know, like you, we just do what we do and whatever happens happens.
0: <laughs> and then for for those of you that don't know what the Tao of Jeet Kune Kundo is, the Tao of Jeet Kune Kundo is written by Bruce Lee. It's um it's a book that kind of covers Bruce Lee's philosophy. What a lot of people don't know is that Bruce Lee also had I believe him I believe he, he was definitely a student of philosophy, and I think he might even have a master's in philosophy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he was studying philosophy at the university, and he kind of put together his thoughts about martial arts at the time, and he kind of wrote like a, almost like a social critique. If you look at if you really look at the, the Taoji Do outside of martial arts from the way he was kind of coming at it, he was really bringing in a social critique of society and martial arts at the time in the 1970s. So it's kind of interesting. Like that's why he was saying stuff about like Japanese people do karate, and he was kind of bringing in these social elements about talk about racism. Like this idea of like they only do karate because that's the Japanese way, and people in the West only do boxing because that's the American way, and people even in China only do certain styles of kung fu because that's the Chinese way. And he was trying to transcend all that in his writing. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, you know, that every region has its thing, right? Every family has its see everyone's looking for their tribe that's the thing everyone's looking for a tribe you know and so and then when you start mashing it together like that because i remember you know, after the, the 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 legendary fight that we won't even go into between him between bruce lee and 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 uh, the late great uh wong jackman um whatever happened happened that's between them and whatever right I, I have no opinion whatsoever i just thought that right after that i knew that's when he said I I should have or could have beat him sooner. I'm very unhappy with what I've, I've learned up to this point. And I know that he talked to Castro and Ed Parker at the time in Oakland and talked about his ideals of mixing. And then they said, well, we're already doing that. So go for it, young man. <laughs> Do your thing, right? You know what I mean? So I'm not saying that Kaji Kimpo actually was, you know, it just helped him push him more in that direction that he was going. And then him and James Lee, James Lee, he lived with in Oakland, him and Linda and Bruce, uh, Brandon lived there in Oakland after the green Hornet, um, went to the way of the dodo. Um, that's that garage, you know, everyone is a pilgrimage to that home and the poor people that live there, they do understand now what's going on, but in that garage, it's crazy, right? In that garage, that's where G. Kune Do was born. And that's crazy. That's really crazy. You know?
0: yeah a lot of people don't know that timeline like when you look at the timeline Mm -hmm. and i mean i i what i like to tell people and any anybody who doesn't know like anybody who's listening to this right now new generation martial arts have no clue what i'm talking about that's why i always tell them hey google it you'll learn some stuff about martial arts Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of people and if you if i think there was a whole section on it was a special episode documentary about bruce lee and also the ufc made another like tribute to it and if you look at it it's like just UFC fighter after UFC fighter after UFC champion saying that they're doing martial arts because of a guy named Bruce Lee. So if you one of the newer generation people that don't know what I'm talking about, check it out. You'll find out that a lot of the people that, that you worship right now, <laughs> the people that you're following, like George St. Pierre, and um, and even like if you look at Chuck Liddell and Chuck Liddell's coach, John Hackleman, they're all going to mention Bruce Lee. Every single one of them. Um, so like that's why I was telling the new generation people, hey, just check it out. Um, There is a lot of history there, but if you look at the timeline, I want to say that what Bruce Lee did was just find a platform at the time. There wasn't YouTube, so like right. he found the greatest platform to spread the idea yep. of mixed martial arts. But right. uh, as people who do karate we follow that history officially. Nineteen. 19- like I'm talking to Mitch Powell a lot about this. I know a lot of us say 1947. 19- I'm not 40- a, I, 1945. I'm not a martial arts historian. I'll just tell you that the KSdi historian has newspaper clippings of the official like records being around the 50s. Like yeah, we started developing it in the
1: 1940s. I mean, how I many I mean, really, if you're gonna start mixing martial arts and stuff like that, it's not gonna take one or two years. You know, really seriously if you think about it, right? So yeah, oh 1947, 1945, maybe I I heard also they might they started in 1945. But yeah, I mean, it's gonna have to take however long it's gonna take in order for it to be effective, right? And you go over, like, if you and I got together and said, if someone threw a punch like that, what would you do? Oh, you would do that? Oh, I would do this. You know, and then they pick which one they thought was more effective, I suppose. But, but yeah, but I mean, I could see that 1950. I mean, it's like it, it at this point, it's kind of a moot point because yeah. is what it is right. And it is, and it's no matter what, those five gentlemen had to do what they had to do in however many years it really took. That's how many years it really took. And then to I also make-
0: like, and for me, like, this is, Again, I always I always try to relate this because I know people that don't. There's people that do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that listen to this. So like, I always tell them, "Hey, like you're, we're having a right now. We're nerding out. <laughs> we're, nerding, right now we're nerding out, And I'm sorry for those of you who are following along on this, but yeah. Um, the point being, and even then, like, and this this is a controversial statement. We're not the first ones. I know in, Amer- in America, we're one of many um this was all kind of happening if you look at any history of martial arts worldwide i mean the greeks were doing this a long time ago with pancreas so like there's a lot of stuff that's happening like that's why i don't get into those i'm not a that's why i was saying not Mm -hmm. a martial arts historian and i'm not going to try to argue about which one was the first mixed martial art but i will say that the one we do is one of those um so you you know again your story is not that it's unique, because I have, like I said, people that come from this stuff. But you are one of those people that keep straight into Kaji Campbell. Now, for you, well, it is, it is kind of unique. I think you're the first person on my show that said, I don't want a belt. <laughs> I just want to do Kajikambo without a belt. Um, so when you came in then, that first time, not that we care about rank here, but just right. for anybody who's listening, um, that first time you came in, that period that you were when you were a kid, what rank did you get to when you were there, that first period there?
1: Um, I didn't get to any rank. I was only there for maybe about two months because my mom took me out. Other than not being able to pay the dues at that at at that point before they took me out, it started off where um, I walked out of there ten years old with two black eyes. <laughs> so when I went in there, I didn't know anything. I was just like you know ah, song and dance like you know David Carradine. Right, you know, ah, you know what I mean, doing Bruce Lee noises and stuff, right? But uh, yeah, I remember the first kid, and you know, I if I if I knew where he's at right now, I would I would thank him for doing that to me, but he beat that snot out of me. I mean, they put me up against somebody who was, if I remember right, it was a purple belt, and I was just that was my first day, and I sit there, okay, what do I do? My dad taught me how to box, and I got the snot kicked out of me, you know, and he didn't let up. It was just like he hit me really hard right off the bat, boom, 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 right. And then I remember Grandmaster Gayla, uh, not Gayla, Grandmaster uh, Greg Laguerre taking me and getting down on the floor with me and just dropping me, dropping me, dropping. Me. I mean, not hitting me. He's just moving me over his own leg, trying to get me to understand. Watch the leg. <laughs> you know, but so, you know, obviously my mother was like really pissed. Right. <laughs> and, you know, my father's like, suck it up son you know that that that, right so so my mother had me uh said okay well you know when you heal up a couple more times and see what happens right like that right then so then then they ended up pulling me out because they they told me they couldn't afford the the, i don't know if that was the real issue or not but i was only 10 so i never i never ranked at all uh you know for a, a white belt that was it right there i started ranking a little more during um during the, the the second iteration when they were up at the uh in central of the fremont dragons i got to a yellow or purple at that point and then life took me somewhere else again but i always once again those guys always came to my house and we trained all the time so i knew what was what but i didn't know in what order so when i joined golden dragon it was there and then i just had to do it their way you know and that you know hey whatever. Like I said, I was just, I just, I just wanted to be a sponge and just, I'm just going to learn what I learn, and whatever happens, happens. That's it. So.
0: And, and as you worked your way, and I, I, and I ask I ask this to everyone cause I'm always really curious about how different schools and how different people from different generations experience their black belt test. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the black belt test like for you? Well, when I
1: watch it now, <laughs> during then it was about three hour test like a three hour test. Yeah. I, I, I walked away with a concussion uh, at the end of that, at the end of that. Yeah. And that was my fault. Gary Hale. Um, <laughs> that was my fault. Um, yeah. I dropped my right and he hook kicked me in the back of the head and I didn't feel it later until after the test was over. But yeah, I got, uh, you know, that, that was i uh, I've never been through anything like that before. Um, I was glad I went through something like that because it's more about survival than giving up. It really taught me not to give up. Um, I was running Lake Elizabeth, which is once around is 2.2 miles. I was running that thing two or three times around three times a week and plus going through the classes uh, for, to, to get ready for my black belt test and then going to a grand, uh, senior grandmaster Bill Sills's house and working out in his garage so he can tweak it. So that was just completely, that was it. That was my life work sleep kajakimbo and thank god my wife was on board with all that so she was really 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 supportive thank god <laughs> right because she used to train too so
0: oh that that helps so, yeah, I, so I, always tell, I, I always tell people there's, there's transitions if you get into this it doesn't matter whether it's taekwondo or brazilian jiu-jitsu or an ma or kajakimbo there's certain tra- once you decide to do this as as a lifestyle there's going to be certain challenges in your life that are going to be transitions to whether are you going to keep, are you going to be able to keep doing this? Uh, The first one is when you go from a childhood to adulthood and you have to start going to college or work. Um, The second one is when you get married, when you're done with college or adulthood and you go through university education, you start your career, you get through that challenge. When you get married is your second challenge. My wife doesn't train. So kudos to her for putting up with this shit. Um,
1: right. <laughs> and oh, then, respect because it's like a different complete different perspective right yeah
0: yeah it'd be like me saying hey it'd be like me being obsessed with golf <laughs> <laughs> completely obsessed with golf and saying hey you know sunday morning when you want to go out to breakfast with with your family members i'm gonna go play golf and teach these other people to play golf because golf is my life
1: Right, <laughs> yeah, there's the animosity. Stuff. They don't recognize. Yeah, they don't realize what it really. Yeah, that's it. We live in a totally different reality than most other people do. That's and that's you know that's the thing I've really seen in the last years. It's like so. The first thing I ask when someone comes in and never had a martial arts background or anything, they just see the movies or UFC or Bellator or whatever. I says, "What is your definition of martial arts? What is your understanding of it?". And they would tell me, and then I would kind of not, you know, not them with, with bullshit, but it's just like, you know, it's like, no, this is really what it's about. It's not about what you see in the movies. And I mean, it, those guys in UFC and Bellator are frigging amazing, but this is what we do. And this is where it comes from. You know, this is what it's about. And they say, if you want to go get hurt, go learn how to play football. <laughs> you go to martial arts, we teach you how not to get hurt or our best to try to teach you how not to get hurt. And they're like, oh, God, I didn't think of it that way. I said, well, because you don't, because everything you're fed is. Well,
0: they're looking at the, they're looking at. When you watch the movies or when you watch sport martial arts, what you're seeing is the ultimate outcome. Yep. The final ultimate outcome of an entire life yes. dedicated to martial arts. Mm. So it's it's like saying, I guess it'd be the same thing. It'd be like it'd be like the same thing as the kid who sees the rock star rocking out on stage, and they're like, "I want to be a rock star." Right. But but I think something about MMA makes it seem I don't know why makes it seem more attainable. Maybe because it it looks more merit based because of the because you could fight the guy and beat him. Well, yeah. the the rock star seems a little more vague because there's a lot of unknowns as to how that person ended up on stage. So it seems yeah. a little it seems a little more far fetched. Than MMA does not really not realizing that these two are one and the same. This person that, that that rock star that's on that stage dedicated countless hours to a lifestyle that produced this professional musician yep. and not some guy who got stuck in a bar playing it, playing gigs in a bar for this whole life and getting it up getting sidetracked or whatever, right? Like this is someone who decided to dedicate themselves and professionally dedicate themselves and focus on it. Same with martial arts, there's this whole and that they're always looking at the outcome and they don't know that there's this whole, it's like looking at the tip of the iceberg and not realizing there's an entire mountain of ice down that thing.
1: Yeah. Um, no, that's funny that you mentioned it that way, because yesterday, actually, I had a talk with one of my students about something really similar. I says, you're looking at the top of the mountain or the top of the steps. I says, yes, maybe that's your goal. But if you, all you do is concentrate on that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, it's going to seem impossible for you to get there. I said, but like you do here on the mat, you do pinion this, punch art that, grab art this, whatever it is, jujitsu this, or whatever it is, you have to learn every move and build it and build it and build it. That's what you have to do. So concentrate on your first step. And here is what you have to go through to, you know, achieve that first step. Now, once you're good at this, now you go to the second step. Pretty soon, you are just concentrating on what you're doing. Now pretty soon you're gonna be there, but if you keep thinking you wanna start from the top, you're never gonna get there. You're never gonna get there. And if you do, you're gonna be crappy. You're not gonna be up there very long.
0: And that's the thing. So so like
1: just have patience and do your work
0: diligently. The fundamentals. Yes. I I I I also coach I also coach Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and the guys are always like, I want to do a barambolo. I want to learn how to do a I want to learn how to do an MRA roll into a into an ankle lock, and I love doing that stuff. Right. I've been doing the fundamentals for a very long time. It doesn't take me very long to look at a video real quick and figure it out, right. and or approach one of my other mentors that can show me real quick. Yeah. I'm lo- I'm lucky enough that I can kin- kinesthetically learn by watching. Some people right. aren't at that point, but I always tell the guys, I'm like, that's fun. Let's do that after class. Right. Let's work on the fundamentals. Let's do it. And it's not gonna be I always tell them basics aren't sexy. Like <laughs> you're gonna we're gonna be going over side mount to mount. Not even an arm bar. They're always like the first day, like I wanna learn arm bar. We're gonna be going over going from side mount, bring your hips up, bring your knee across the guy's chest, and ending up in the mount position. Okay, okay. Mind. Well what are we gonna do after that? Next, we're gonna do a variation of if the guy tries to stop you from getting into mount, how to release his grip to get around and to get him to mount anyway. And what are going to do after that? We're going to do focus sparring <laughs> in from side mount to mount and see if you can keep the guy from you mount. From, can you? Yeah, you can, chess can, here. Yeah. Can, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, so no arm bar? Not today. <laughs> that, <that's>
1: not <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Because they don't understand the steps to get to it. First of all, you have to be as technic- technically correct as you possibly can. Also, not, not just to be effective, but also to be safe with your uke. You know, that's the thing. I would say, okay, we're going to fake fight today. God, I hate saying that. <laughs> but you know what? I go, if we were real, we'd all be in the hospital. So we're going to work out our fundamentals so good that you're going to be able to control your distance you can be able to control your power, either go light, medium, or hard at at a whim. Same thing with your kicks. So you can be, you can go, like I have my brown belt class right now, 10 o'clock in the morning. They're going real speed now. but only because they've shown that they can have control. Yes, there's a mishap every once in a while, right? I mean, we're just human. And I said, be ready for it. That's all it is. You get hit, you get hit, get up, suck it up. You know what I mean? But it's going to happen, not on purpose. But you guys are going full speed now but with control like that. Right. And so that's where, right? that's as real as we can really get without sitting there and knocking the piss out of each other. <laughs>
0: you know, my instructor called me and I was talking to him. And, um, as many of you know, I'm, I'm good friends with John Hackleman. Check yeah, great guy. And and a lot of people are like, no, my instructor was like, you know, you know, we don't go as hard as Hackleman. And I said, look, we need to unpack that statement. Cause even Hackleman says, like a lot of this stuff, if you, of course, if you look at the older stuff, it's brutal. But even Hackleman says there was this thing that happened where I realized where there's there's a, there's ways to be brutal without it having to be full contact because I need to preserve my fighters. Um, he calls it chininity, I think it is. It's like oh. a combination of virginity and chin. <laughs> so like oh. <laughs> the idea that you could only take so many hits. I right. need to preserve that. <laughs> So that when they get in, when they start their professional fighting careers, they don't come in with previous injuries. All their injuries are, I'm trying to make it so that all their injuries are saved for the cage
1: yes. and we can
0: mitigate that. That way they can, because they, they're trying to make a whole life and careers off of this. So I'm, I'm shortening their careers by training that way. So Absolutely. even then, like even, and I want to hear when he said that, I'm like, well, this is someone who's, who's like dealing with like the top of the top saying that we shouldn't go not to say not to go, not to be intense, but this idea that we have to go hard, and that's really hard for us, because I came from the older school generation. Like you got, you got a concussion. I, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that I've probably been knocked out more than five times or more, because I thought a knockout meant to hit the ground out cold, like a straight KO. And I was like, I've never been KO'd, not realizing I've been KO'd so many times. And the question that was asked to me was, "Can you continue?" And I was like, "Yeah, I can continue." And I get back in there with like wobbly legs and double vision and just <laughs> so like... knocked out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, me, too. me too. That's happened a good two or three times for me in my you know most of the time because I avoid all that other stuff. <laughs> Here's some beer. You know,
0: yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't until I got my and then and then every time I competed, I never got hurt. I never got TKO'd, and I didn't get TKO'd until I got to Japan. And I got mad. I started, and I didn't fight with the ref, but I was mad. I was like, "They stopped the fight early." And like, and, and the and the, the the ref was like, "Hey, you were, um, it was an MMA match, and he said you you were down on one knee. He he knocked you with a left hook, and you were down on one knee. And so I stopped the fight because you weren't you were no longer protecting yourself. And I'm looking at the video and like, no, I was getting ready for a double. And what happens? He hit me, and I did drop. And the second I dropped, I grabbed him to get ready for the double, and he was fighting me for the double. And the mm-hmm. ref saw that I was no longer in control. So he's like, okay, you got TKO'd. You know, can you see, can you follow my finger? And I couldn't follow his finger. And he's like, yeah, you're, you're, you, you, you got TKO'd. <laughs> I've said, there arguing like, no, I'm not knocked out. And it wasn't like till later, like, no, like, they're all explaining to me what a TKO was. I'm like, oh shit. I've been oh. TKO'd a lot in practice. <laughs> so oh, my last question, before we almost wrapping up here, Bob, how was your transition? You finished your black belt test. Um, you went through all that. What was your transition like from being someone who was a student and now transitioning into becoming a teacher?
1: Oh man! When, uh, did, you,
0: when did you realize that? And how did all that work out for you?
1: Um, never thought about it, but at purple belt level. Sifu Pete, we were all standing there at attention right before class, he'd walk into class and he'd tap one, sometimes he'll tap one of us on the shoulder and go warm the class up. And none of us has ever done that before. So we're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my God, now I got to perform. So he didn't ever give us a choice. He just said, you're going to do it. And we did that. So he had us doing that a lot, uh, rotating us around every once in a while. So by the time the black belt stuff, we were already been teaching quite a bit of classes or, or assistant instructing and stuff like that. So it became natural to, to do it, you know, so that, uh, I mean, at the beginning, it was really like, oh, I just want to be quiet and sit in the back of the room, please. He goes, no, 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 He goes, if you want to learn even more what you know, because you don't know it until you teach it, then you have to bunk eye it. Then you got to tear it apart in minuscule parts. Now, how do you verbalize it? And how do you verbalize it so that that person could understand it? Everyone's going to understand words differently. I'm like, man, why does it have to be so hard? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but now it's just, it, it's just, I mean, I'm going to maybe like you too now at this point where it's just, it just, it just comes naturally. And I think the hardest part is where is so-and-so at? Where do I have to take him today or him or her today? and get them to grow in the manner they need to. I think that's probably, and and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's probably one of the hardest parts of being an instructor or sharing your knowledge with somebody is, you know, how do you keep them? Like a good friend of mine said, I'm always pushing the student, but I'm always trying to, you know, put to put a little pressure on them to, you know, you got responsibilities. That's what I tell my students. The, the, the ones you saw, I think, recently got their yellow belt and stuff and their purple belt. And I just said, you know, now you got a color in your belt. That comes with responsibility. I don't care how old you are. It doesn't matter. It comes with responsibility. And these are your responsibilities. We get a newbie in here. I'm going to have you help me teach them. You better know your stuff. <laughs> you know, so. right. I mean, I, know. I don't know if that answered the question. But it, 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 it's it's comfortable now for me to teach people. but. Like I said, the hard part is figuring out how to teach them what they need and to read different people coming in. Now, we have done we do these big classes, are uh, like 20, 30 people, right, which is awesome. That's an awesome size for a school. But I've noticed that sometimes you'll lose half these people, and because either it's the time issue or their work or, you know, no matter how it, it, attentive that the instructors and the black belts are, you're not going to always be able to answer everyone's questions and people get frustrated and they end up leaving. So that's why when I opened up this school, I just said, I'm going to hit a certain demographic. People who are truck drivers, salesmen, college students, people who can't make it here at six o'clock, people who can't make it here. You know, maybe they'll make it here at 10 in the morning, maybe two in the afternoon. Some people who are graveyard who were, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So um, I've been pretty lucky with that. It's harder on me because now I got to have all these balls in the air trying to figure out who can fit where. But I've got 20 students and maybe two or three waiting for somebody to quit. And I go, don't wait too long. Go find, I go, I'll, I send them to, you know, I, I'll send them to other schools, you know what I mean, that I know in the area that are just badass, you know what I mean? So I have even sent my, one of my black belts over to uh, Dragon, Dragon, Dragon's Day in the Union City after he earned his first degree. I said, what do you want to do? I want to learn how to box and I want to learn how to do jujitsu and stuff. I said, yeah, we don't do so much jujitsu here. but so I introduced him to, to, to a professor and I says, go for it. This is for you. This is your knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I'm done with what I can, you know, I don't want you stopping. So that's where I come from. It's like, it's for the student. It's not for for the school or for my image or whatever. I couldn't care
0: less, <laughs> you know? So I don't know. And the awesome, the awesome part about where you're at is you can, cause there's so much, there's so much other, there's so many college campuses around you, you can, Yes. send them off and they can still be in Kaji Um, I'm not going to get sidetracked with that. I'm just going to mention the guess- last. <laughs> no, I, don't, I, don't, I was, I was going to get sidetracked. I was going to go to a complete tangent. I'm going to stop myself because I said we're wrapping up soon. That final challenge that I mentioned earlier, we talked about uh the transition between career and work. The next one is when you get married. And the third one is when you have kids and start a family. Um, That's the one that, that's the third challenge. So, if anybody's following this, that's the third challenge that martial artists go through. So, when you're trying to work that, and then right now, like, we can also add the fourth challenge of when you start teaching and opening your own program. What? And I never talked about that, and I don't have time to talk about that. But I would say the fourth challenge is figuring out where you stand now after you've passed all your challenges and got your black right. belt. You're 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 an instructor now. If you're doing any type of traditional martial art, you are an instructor now is Mm -hmm. trying to figure out, well, what kind of instructor am I gonna be that fits with my lifestyle? Because some people can fit in the whole the big dojo and open a big a big MMA program or big martial arts program and work six days a week, seven days a week. If you really start doing that way, it's really hard not to work. Um you decide to go that route, maybe that's not for you. Maybe maybe it's more of a hey I'm gonna teach at the rec center. Or maybe these are all questions that each martial artist has yeah. to ask themselves, and 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 then be okay with that. Like, okay, this is just where it, this is what it is for me, and this is how it this is. And if someone wants more, like I said, a student wants more than that. Ref, be okay with the letting go of your ego a little bit, <laughs> and saying, "Hey, um, I got them to this point, and I, I've done this." And, and my I'm, I'm full transparency, I'm an English teacher. That's my career. I'm an ESL teacher in Japan. That's my full time career. Well, I had a, my professional boxer that um, recently had a won a title, and he was in there, and he brought in one of his. Because I always let people use the gym, even when I'm, i and I only teach classes. Formal classes are Tuesdays and Sundays, and I'm available with my schedule every morning for anyone who can make it. So if you can make it in the morning, I'm here for you come in the afternoon i'm working my english school is attached to my dojo so it always trips out people i had a boxer come in yesterday with the professional boxer and she was there and i was coaching and she's everyone knows me as angelo sensei which is weird in the boxing world Mm because there's not a lot of senseis in the boxing world that's what all coaches are like what's he calling calling sensei oh he did this thing called kajakeba so like they came over and they're like oh these are all your students they're all going to box right now i'm like no they're all going to learn English." You're gonna go in there and box <laughs> with the boxer, cause I, I'm not there right now. You came in the evening, but it's all good. The, you know, the, the Hiroki he, he coaches boxing too. So you're gonna go in there and and You're gonna be working with him today. Do you get students on the yeah, right? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> <guilt." laughs> and one of my culture kids did show up. He's like, "Do we have culture <transactions> No, no, we're doing English today. <note> get in the classroom. <laughs> <Different> <laughs>. <laughs> so, like, <laughs>
1: I didn't have kids or anything, so I went right to the other one. And where, and really quickly, I know we got to wrap it up. Um, where I stand right now is where I stand. You know, I try to be the best person I can be. I try to give what I can give. Um, I'm very, I'm trying to be as honest as I can with people. Like I had a good conversation with, with, with Seagun uh, Kelly Gaylord the other day and about the KAA and stuff like that. And I told her this, that, and the other thing, and and really, you know, let it out and said, you know, I have a, a, ultimate respect for the organization and the people. I have actually ultimate respect for all Kaju kind. I don't care what branch you're from. We're all family and I don't like the labels because it does kind of separate some people. Right? To me it's like if you're Kaju, you're part of the Ohana. That's it. That's my one big Ohana, right? Like that. That's just for me. It just simplifies it. And so I told her that I said I can't keep I can't show up to everything. You know, I'm the only one teaching and you know and and I have a full roster and the weekends are for me and my wife and where I stand is where I stand. Wherever they want to put me that's where I'm at. That's totally fine. You know, what I mean, if they think I'm a jerk, okay, well, that's fine. You don't have to talk to me, but I'll stay, I'll stay professional with you. You know, what I mean, that kind of thing. I just can't, I can't be worried about it. I'm, I'm, I'm almost sixty years old, and that's why I'm going to stay small because I actually had taught in schools that were twenty, thirty people, and that was a great experience. It was amazing, but I like this better because it's like the Montessori school of kaju. <laughs> I could read individuals and figure out where their strengths and weaknesses are, and build on that instead of one straight, you know, dealing with it like the public, the public education, you know, here in the United States. If you don't fit in, you're hose, you know.
0: <laughs> and, and again, like uh, this just goes uh, as we wrap up. That uh, a fourth challenge that I never thought about that came up right now on the spot was was where you stand, like where you stand in the middle of all that. And that's, that's fine. And there's just no, there's nowhere written anywhere um, that says that you're supposed to be a full-time martial arts instructor. That's not, there's nowhere that says that, that that's, not something that people put on themselves. Right. And, and then um the, I call it the comparison trap and social media is awesome for this. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so, so the comparison trap where you start comparing where you are. Where and you look at someone next to you who looks like they're about the same where in in life where you are, and they have all this, and you don't have all that, and then right. suddenly there's a, suddenly when before you were absolutely fine with what you had, suddenly you feel like oh I'm not doing good enough, oh right. this isn't going the way it should go, and it, and it's a it's a, it's a trap. It, it's a like the Star Wars oh. the Star Wars meme with the fish head. It's a trap. It really is. It's a trap because. <laughs> 'Cause you you were doing just fine until you started doing that comparison.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's why I don't do comparisons. I, I've never done that. It's just like it's like I said I think a couple of times before, it's like I train, I do what I do, I would deal with people the best that I can, and whatever happens, happens. And um I've had someone try to disparage my rank and lineage and anything about five years ago and I'm like, go for it, bro. I don't care. I did put my I did put all my, my, my paperwork up on on Facebook. And I was bombarded by people saying, you don't have to do that, Bob. You don't have to do this. And I said, I know, but do you notice that that certain person is no longer clapping, (laughs) no longer flapping those lips anymore? I said, it's the art of fighting without fighting. (laughs) I said, I know who I am. I go, you guys know who I am and I'm not worried about it. I'm just not worried about it. I'm I'm okay, I'm good.
0: Yeah, and again, and and those are the four challenges, right? So anybody watching, a wrap up first challenge, career, getting a job, second challenge, getting married, third challenge, starting a family and fourth challenge, figuring out who you are at the end of all that. the end of all that whole martial arts journey, all those years go by yeah where yeah. where where are you're gonna fit in that world and finding a place?,
1: for you? I am what I am yeah
0: <laughs> well, Bob, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your martial arts journey. Um, for those of you watching, I used to say I released one of these a month. Um, lately, it's been every week. I don't want to promise you one every week because <laughs> I'm afraid one day I won't be able to. You're like, oh, he stopped doing it. But I'm still going to keep promising you one one or more a month. I will say that. There will be one or more a month. And lately, it's been every week. Um, Social Jello with Angelo podcast, a podcast about martial arts and psychology. Uh, is there any shout outs Um, any um thing you want to promote?
1: Um, but yeah. Let's see. The only thing I would promote there is the uh the the Bruce Lee exhibit in San Francisco right now going on on Clay Street. I think it's nine six five Clay. Please don't don't kill me, people from the museum. Um, but it's right there. Please, that's going on for another three or four years. Um, I have been lucky enough to be uh very little connected to Jeff Chin, who actually that's. Most of his Bruce Lee paraphernalia is being shown in there. Um, and I have one or two items that I got from Uncle Alan, who was one of Bruce Lee's first instructors. I mean, not one of Bruce Lee's first students uh, back in Oakland. And he also taught Bruce Lee how to lift weights. So there that. Um, one of his, the, the, the bench and the the workout, uh, workout dumbbells that when Bruce came to Fremont with Linda, they would stay at Uncle Alan's house and work out in the garage. So, you know, got that corroborated by the kids. Oh yeah, they used to always go in the garage. So yeah, go see that. It's a really fun show. It's a it's a it's multi-layered, so they have a bunch of different uh layers, you know, and, and that and, and they also talk about the the uh his break uh how he was trying to break racism, you know, and stuff like that too. So yeah, that that that's that that's pretty much it. Go see the cool. show. It's really worth it. Awesome.
0: Well, go check out the Bruce Lee Museum. Uh, if you need information, go ahead and Google it. I'm sure it's there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just and- sleep, and that uh, it'll come up
0: with everything. So, so, so cool. there it is. Well, it's been well, an honor. I- awesome. Yeah. An- well, brother, I again, I appreciate you taking the time to come out here and meet me. And um, thank you. you.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. You and you and John do what you're doing, man. It's awesome stuff.
0: Thanks, brother. Catch y'all next time. Have a good one, bro.